Hi, I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. We're board-certified plastic surgeons and hosts of the podcast Forever Young. Join us every Tuesday as we share the latest products and procedures in the never-ending quest to help our patients look and feel their very best. The world of cosmetic surgery is constantly improving. Join us on the cutting edge. Forever Young is available wherever you get your podcasts. The People's Choice Podcast Awards are out, you guys. It's the 18th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards, and we need your vote. We are in it right now under the health section. That's podcastawards.com. You go on, register, please vote for Foreplay. We would love your support. Thank you so much. This would really help us spread our mission if we can get recognized in the podcast awards for the People's Choice. The following content is not suitable for children. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. So excited. Lori, another in-person training, Philadelphia, unleashing... The Power of Sex and EFT for Therapists, October 4th and October 5th. This is one of our favorite trainings to do. It's such a need out there to empower therapists to keep their focus better in session and know how to help couples facilitate these bonding conversations through sex. Most of us don't grow up in families talking about this stuff. So get some of the tools that you need, have some fun, engage with other therapists. It's great to be back in person. Oh, yes. It is so great to be in person. We had so much fun in our last in-person training. I mean, people actually laugh at our jokes. And, you know, I got to say some of what we're doing, I think it's pretty cutting edge. We're, we're working on stage one and stage two. For those of you who are therapists in EFT, you'll get what we're talking about. But even if you're not an EFT therapist, there's a lot here that you can learn about how to talk with couples about sex and how to become more expert at it. And if you're a listener and you do have a therapist and your therapist doesn't know about EFT, tell them, you know what, I think you should check this training out. <laughs> I guarantee they're gonna, they'll come out of that training with some new tools, which is, that's what we're in the business of, right? Creating change with new tools. Yes. So come join us in October in Philadelphia. All right. So today we're super excited to have Dr. Stan Tacken on with us an awesome clinician, researcher, teacher, TED talker, developer of the PATH, Psychobiological Approach to Couple Therapy. Best-selling author. I love the book, Wired for Love. He's got a new book out today. He's got many books, but he's here to talk a little bit about in each other's care. So welcome, Dr. Stan Tackett. Thank you, Thank George. You. I got I to gotta say your accent for me already builds credibility. I just assume that somebody with your accent is credible. <laughs> well, at Absolutely. least somebody believes I'm credible. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Tell that to my and wife. She don't think I am half the time. <laughs> does she have an accent? She oh, no, she's not. from California. That's they right. don't have accents in California, right? No, right. no accents. PACT is based on attachment theory as well, in part, right? In part, it's a polytheoretical approach that the development part, the developmental part, is based in infant attachment, infant brain development, brain development throughout the lifespan. So neurobiology and also including the autonomic nervous system. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for coming to be on our show. We're, we're glad to have you. Could you start with a little bit about your book, 
You said you wrote it for people who are securely attached, and that means what? Being free from anxiety? In what wrote, ways? Which book did I write for people who are securely attached? <laughs> well, we were wondering are, if you wrote for those eight, those eight people out there that were yeah. securely I was gonna say, attached. No wonder book sales are really low. <laughs> yeah. um, are we talking about the same book um, <laughs> in, in, each, in each other's care? Mm -hmm. It is not. Um, it is not. No, because the uh, you know we don't have great stats to show how much of the population is actually secure or insecure, but we do have experience as clinicians, right? I'm sure you and do. Friends, and friends. And friends. And partners. And just looking at the culture in general that, you know, that we're more on the distancing side as a culture. Um, maybe the West in general is that way. But secure attachment, mm, not quite sure how many people are or are not. So no, the book was written for people who had already read you know, earlier books, Wired for Love and and Your Brain on Love, because I left out a lot of the science and I left out the attachment material that's referred to it and focused simply on common complaints that I've heard over the years in my clinic and addressing it through the lens of secure functioning, which is basically not attachment. It's based on social contract theory, social mm -hmm. justice theory that in order for people in a free and fair union to get along over the long run, they have to create a shared purpose and a shared vision of where they're going and shared principles of how they're going to operate in order to protect each other from each other and the union, or they will fragment. Uh, all unions, no question about it, will fall by the same fate. So that's why I wrote the book, Egged okay. on by my irritation during the COVID period. Oh, a good time to write a book during COVID yes. for sure. Yes. I love how you talk about Stan, the most couples think they're better communicators than they are, right? That the majority of communication is often faulty. They, we, you know, we miss each other and it, we don't even recognize we're doing that. So I think that's a great way of just normalizing for most of our listeners that like, you know, you, you got to be a little bit more intentional about your communication because you're probably worse at this than you think. We are. I mean, it, 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 this can be proven even today where it just happened earlier in a meeting. People are mostly misunderstanding us most of the time. That is a fact. You know, think about it. In the beginning, language was used for uh, run, duck, uh, lion, eat, right? <laughs> Stop. Uh, think of our language today. So, yeah, uh, we're not understanding each other. And the way we try to tell each other things is also sloppy. So mm -hmm. that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, we're particularly interested because on Foreplay, we talk a lot about sexual conflict and insecure sexual attachment, as well as how it integrates in our world with emotional connection. And we're interested in how you kind of work with couples about that. You said that, you know, you help couples get into flow and that they can actually co-regulate better and get into flow. Can you talk about that a little bit with us? Uh, uh, I do I that in 30 seconds, all right? I, Stan, I let's go. We, don't we want all the I, answers. We want all the answers right now. I don't know that I get people into flow. I introduce the idea. In psychodrama, I set the stage for it when we uh, when we do bedroom scenes which we do a lot and those Ooh. are by the way for your audience are pg not creepy 
PACT is, <clears throat> for the therapist, is really an investigative approach. We're investigators. We're, uh, we're looking under, you know, in every nook and cranny, trying to get to the best version of the truth, uh, knowing that there is no absolute truth. But we want the best version of the truth. And, and that can only be done by rigorous investigation, even a granular investigation. And no place more importantly than in the area the three of us are talking about, right? Intimacy, love, lovemaking, sex, all of that. So uh, flow is a state that if we've had that experience, we seek it. Musicians seek it, poets, painters, writers, public speakers, uh, people who make love. Um, we all want that kind of sense of, I am not self-aware in the way I usually am. I am in the moment. I am in the game. I am in the play. Uh, something is being channeled. I am not self-conscious. And I'm not performative. So, all right, that would be the opposite. And uh, uh, and And there's some pain involved. This is very interesting. A recent study about pain being a precursor for flow and for great pleasure, which kind of makes sense. So if you think of a musician, and which I was, am still, but was, and the flow that musicians feel when they are doing jazz, there's a stress to it. There's an exertion to it. There's pain in that exertion, but there isn't a self-consciousness in it. And the pleasure is what comes out of that. What comes out of that is creativity, is, is connection, uh, something kind of weird that is being communicated among musicians that can't be duplicated. Uh, we can't really explain it, but we're on the same wavelength. And uh, same with comics. Everybody understands this. And it's easily disrupted easily disrupted by at least three areas of the brain that are involved in predicting, planning, um, especially predicting our next mistake. And these areas that are fancy and energy and, uh, and resource consuming also take up a lot of bandwidth in muscle movement and uh, fine muscle movement. So our body can't actually operate when they're, uh, when they're active. The ice skater is going to screw up when he or she is thinking, don't turn your ankle out, don't turn your ankle out, right? And then they do. So uh, so how not to do that, right? How to turn those areas off when they're on. That's what I try to stage. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to do that is to direct one's attention um, and their senses, like a meditation, like outside meditation. I'm pouring all my attention, Lori, on your eyes, the pupils, the colors in your eyes, the shades in your eyes. Um, I'm touching your face. I'm fully involved tactily in the touch, in the examining of your face and your body. I crowd out any other thought by keeping my attention, my eyes and my hands, because I can't control my mind, where it is. And that, after a few minutes, turns on what's called uh, a spotlight focus. Uh, in the prefrontal cortex, and I begin to tune everything else out, right? Only this exists, and that's what we're trying to achieve, and there are ways of actually doing it. Whether somebody does it or not, I can't guarantee, right? Because sure. it's a practice. But it's intentional focus yeah. on the other that 
you hope that you can't control this, but the result would be they get into flow and then they have that sense of connection with each other. And you're speaking George's language when you talk about sort of the the brain and what's happening in the brain. Our brain yeah. is messing with us constantly and we have to understand how it does that. Okay, go ahead, uh, George. No, what I love about your work too is you're encouraging partners to really pay attention to micro expressions, eye contact, tones. Like most of us don't get any training and we think we're talking to our cognitive brain all the time and problem solving and so much of the communication is going on underneath the surface that's influencing what's happening but no one's even aware of it so you're very intentional with that right you're trying to get couples to look at each other noticing when they look away what their tones are can you tell our listeners more about that well what we're doing is we're combating uh, a natural process across all of biology which is energy conservation so energy conservation allows us actually to exist. Otherwise, we'd be a car that would heat up and burn out. Uh, we would never be able to operate in the world because we'd have to learn things anew every time. So everything new that we come across is going to be relegated to cheap memory. Basically, anything novel will be old soon. And that's to give way to new novelty. Otherwise, we would never learn anything new. So. The good part about that is a relationship becomes easier. The bad part about that is we think we know each other and we don't. And we stop paying attention and we start turning to other novelty and we lose the idea that we're strangers constantly having to get to know each other. We think we're family and we get bored. Mm -hmm. We stop looking. We, uh, we actually carry a picture image of our children of our partner's face for weeks even months without ever looking that's how energy conservation automation works we're automated creatures we're mostly going through the day operating by memory recognition systems or you know pattern recognition and not thinking critically at all not paying attention at all unless it's new right so the parts of us in the bedroom that enjoy surprise and novelty, we're actually the ones who sabotage that by not looking at our partner, not seeing them, not believing that there's more to them than what we've made up in our own head. Yes, because nature cares about our survival, not love, doesn't care about relationships, that's on Sufficient. us, cares about, uh, you know, procreation, cares about continuation of the species. That's about it. I want to say, and I just want to repeat what you're saying, because I think it's so important that we talk a lot on this show about the secret to any relationship is based on the quality of engagement. Yeah. Right. And what you're saying is loving partners and committed relationships, their brains are just built to stop paying attention to each other over time. Unless we're willing to combat that and be very intentional, it's coming for all of us, right? And it's not a sign of mistrust or a lack of love. It's nope. just the way our brain operates. It's so important. Most everything that happens may feel loving or unloving, but I can tell you it has nothing to do with love. Even attachment has nothing to do with love. It has to do with survival, safety, and security. We'll stop. It feels unloving, looks unloving, or looks loving, but it isn't. Uh, the kind of love that I care about is earned love. What you and I do for each other day in and day out, how we protect each other, how we do things that are based on 
what we agree are the best things or the right things, even though they're the hardest things to do. That is what I'm after, right? A purpose-centered relationship based on a high bar of what we want and what we never want, having nothing to do whether we feel like it or not. And that's a uphill climb with most people, including me. <laughs> but you also don't get yeah, Laurie. I just said a commitment. Well, it's also a we don't want it in a particular way, but it's to the self. It's for the self. It's not a commitment. If I commit to you, Lori, I'm doing it for me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But a lot of people don't. They for think, our own integrity. It's how I'm going to learn about myself. I know that you're going to be disappointing. I am. We're all disappointing. We're all pain in the asses. We're all uh, uh, burdens, right? We know that we should know this. So I go into this knowing that you're going to become old soon to me in my mind in terms of novelty. Maturity is and commitment is that I'm going to look for the novelty in the ordinary. That's how I deepen my understanding of myself, of another person, of the world. There is no other way. Otherwise, I'm just going and sleepwalking. And the same with a career. You know, we, we choose hopefully one thing that we're going to become experts in, not because it's perfect, but because we perfectly fill that vessel and we commit to it. And that therein uh, where we understand everything, right? I mean, you know, it's a fractal of everything because we're learning about ourselves. But that's a higher level of thinking about commitment, right? Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully in that purposefulness yeah. and intentionality, there's a lot of still room for fun and playfulness because this stuff can sound really serious at times, you know, how hard the work is, you know, but I, I, I hear what you're saying that in, in, in being in the present moment is where we're going to find the most freedom. Otherwise yeah. we're sleepwalking, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the nature state of the human primate. That's just the way we are. It's not a criticism. It's just how we're built. And so we just have to be smarter than the average human primate. <laughs> I think a lot of our listeners are going, Woof, all right, it's not me and I'm messed up. Like this is yeah. this is okay. I just gotta find out how to be more intentional. So let's take a quick break and we're gonna come back and, and try to talk about how we can be more intentional, especially in the bedroom. Cozy Earth has produced the most comfortable soft sheets that you will have ever slept on in your life. I have them on my bed and and my clothes have to come off. You know, it's like I just want to feel those sheets on me. It's and it isn't that it, you just like lie there and soft. It's almost like it touches you like the top sheet just you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just like being caressed. I'm crazy about these sheets. I'm like putting them on every bed in my house. Don't you think these sheets are super soft, George? They are amazingly soft. And all these sexual pursuers out there now are like, got another idea or something else to try. No, no, I'm serious. If you are a sexual pursuer, you should definitely buy these sheets for your partner. I mean, buy a couple sets because they are so wonderful. It is sort of like a new sex toy. <laughs> these sheets, Cozy Earth sheets, they're made by bamboo. They're like breathable. They're luxurious material. They are amazing. Oh, and they also make pajamas like lingerie loungewear that is super flattering and elegant. And they've been on Oprah's favorite list for four years in a row. So obviously they're getting a lot of attention. Well, and they should be because they are the best sheets. And I am a total Egyptian cotton person. No, I am always doing this from this time forward. So 
Cozy Earth provides an exclusive offer for our listeners. It's 35% off site-wide when you use the code FOREPLAY. So please go to CozyEarth.com and use the code FOREPLAY for 35% off these site-wide products. Trust me, Sexual Pursuer, buy them. Uber Lube. It's a luxury lubricant. Can you say that three times fast? Uber Lube Luxury Lubricant. You know, basically, it's pure silicone bliss. It is made from superior ingredients. It has skin-soothing vitamin E, and it goes on just like natural moisture, and it lasts a long time. There's no drip. Their glass bottles are truly beautiful. You can leave them on your bedstand. I do. No problem. Nobody notices. And it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation, and it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag. You can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try UberLube, the silicone lubricant, at uberlube.com. Use the code FOREPLAY for 10% off. Really, it is the best lubricant on the market. We are doing a couple's retreat on September 8th. So please keep that in mind in your schedule for your fall schedule. We want to give you a heads up. We're only doing one this year because our training schedule is getting crazy, but we would love to invite you to our couple's retreat on September 8th. It's by Zoom and you can find it on our website or playsextherapy.com. Nice. And we just uh, completed training therapist two days, right? On sex. Had over 100 therapists. How much fun was that, Laurie? To just kind of, again, get all these questions. We don't have all the answers, but we're just, again, that excitement is just trying to help us all get clearer and clearer and start leaning in this direction because it's such a great need to help couples talk about their sex lives. It was. It was really fun. And we're excited to do it again for our couples. We always have fun with people who are wanting to work on their sex life and come to us. They're always anxious. What is it going to look like? And I'm glad to email you a little bit about that, talk with you so you can get comfy. Nice. And who don't want to be comfy, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, so we are back with Stan Tatton. We are glad to have you as our guest. Stan has written an amazing new book, and it's called In Each Other's Care. We really encourage you to go out and get that and order it or buy it at your bookstore if you still have a bookstore nearby. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> for secure and insecurely attached couples, right? Yes, for all of you out there. And he has a really large section in it on sexuality. And Stan, just so that we can kind of understand how you would help this problem, we want you to talk to us about the common problem of one person wanting perhaps more sex or more intensity in their sexual relationship. And the other person seeming to be pushed back by that, not wanting as much sex, not wanting sex maybe even at all. And how do you work with this dilemma? Can we even play with this where we can be the couple and you could kind of help us? I do that a lot. I love doing that. Okay, we can role play. Now you're in separate boxes. This is, you know, you know, so normally I would be facing you together so i could see leakage because i'm looking for what you're <laughs> i'm i need to put you under stress so i can see your body that would be stressful for sure 
uh, <laughs> because that is where I'm going to get most of my information, not by what okay. you say, mm. but what your bodies do moment by moment, right? Okay. That's going to, you're going to leak when you're under stress. Otherwise you're mm. just going to tell me what you want to tell me. And that's easy. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so without that, um, we'll just play it and see okay. what happens. So George, Lori, explain to me what is exactly the problem? nothing's happening is the problem doctor nothing's happening uh you mean like right now things are happening what do you mean nothing's happening i'm talking about you know we want to come to therapy to improve our, our intimacy and like we try to talk about this but nothing changes i mean she's just not really in the, in, in the mood all the time so time out for a second for the audience my first job is to find out what this is in in the medical field and in the psychology there are two tracks what is it and then what to do about it. Unfortunately, because we're humans and we want to help people, we jump right away to what to do about it and have no idea what it is. This is a highly complex area in, in a very good way, in a very good way. And we have to sort of parse piece apart what is true and what is untrue, what is perception and what is uh, something that we can actually view as a clinician and see it live because i don't believe anything that anyone tells me not because people lie which they do but people mostly don't know what they're doing at any given time or why and in the absence we all make it up right mm. we all make it up so i can't believe sure. say i have to see what they do so here we have a general uh who knows what they're talking about which is common uh, and so I have to drill down and find out specifics. So what is he talking about, Lori? Specific. Well, I, I think that, you know, he seems to want sex frequently. Seems um, to. How do you yeah, know? He, he will ask me for sex. By, by the way, that's a qualifier. Seems to is not definite. So if I keep getting that, yeah. I'm going to wonder about Lori and uh, and her ability to be declarative and to say what is and what isn't. So seems is very, you know, uh, not clear. So right. seems. Right. So how do you know? So he will ask me for sex or he'll touch me in a way that says, you know, he wants to have sex. And what happens to you when he does either of those things? I mean, I I kind of would argue that I don't like sex. I actually do like sex, but I just, you know, he's working all the time. He's really busy. And, and that's called deflection. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop Lori because uh, that's deflective. So that's another thing that I'm going to track. Okay. If she does it a lot. Actually, uh, Lori, the question is, what happens to you when George says, I want to have sex and or touches you in a way that cues you? What happens to you? generally yeah. i think i feel on guard because do. i don't feel connected to this man and what do you know what you do when you are on guard do you say something uh what what do you actually do to signal to george that you're on guard i might tell him that i'm tired or say maybe if it was in bed and he touches me i just might not cuddle up to him or I might just kind of lie there. So you don't tell him the truth for one. If you do tell him something, you don't tell him what is actually true and or you don't say anything. You just behave in a way that signals to him you're not interested. I am often tired, so that would be true. 
but I don't necessarily want to start a fight and say, I don't want to have sex with you. That is true. So you're afraid of conflict. Yes. So in this very short time, I found out a lot about Lori. First of all, linguistically, that she talks in a way that is slightly deceptive. That doesn't mean she's a liar. It just means that she's not straightforward. Uh, she's not saying what's true. She deflects, and that's important. To intimacy, it's important. Also, that she does not say what is actually happening to her partner, who's supposed to be her confidant, right? They're supposed to be in the foxhole together. So right away, there's a problem with true intimacy. You know, at least one of them doesn't talk, doesn't say. Uh, and so that is a symptom right there. So George, is it true what she's saying that, uh, or do you notice that she locks up, tightens up when you make advances? Yeah, I notice she doesn't engage. She doesn't respond. She doesn't move closer. She will either roll over or say she's tired or like you said, deflect, or she does something else that is not continuing what I'm hoping for. And of course, you then go say, sweetheart, what's going on? Tell me what's actually happening. You do that, right? That's called a presumptive technique, which, which therapeutically basically uh, makes an assumption, of course you do this, right? Which I know he doesn't. Right. You don't. So I neither don't. of you... This is called going down the middle. So neither of you actually are intimate as best friends. You don't talk. You don't communicate at all. That must get in the way of a lot of things. So what should I be communicating then? I'm saying neither of you seem to feel like you can be yourselves in this relationship. You seem to be operating as if you're not the single person that you depend on. You're not making use of each other. You are not intimate with each other on a speech language level on letting each other know what's actually true. And why is that? I, I, I we... think for me, if I say I don't want to have sex tonight, it'll make him angry. And so what? Talk to me for three days. And so I want to avoid that. Okay. The two of you can handle each other being angry, right? The relationship can handle it? Or are you both endorsing the idea that the relationship, say the two of you, is too fragile to handle the two of you and messiness? Is that something you both endorse? I think that, yeah, it does feel pretty fragile to me when, you know, I don't have a partner for three days to help with the kids and talk with. Yes, it does feel fragile. Do the two of you allow each other to do things like this, go missing? Is that how you set up shop? That it's okay as a team, as a union that depends on each other to do business, right? you got to do business to just go missing because uh, you feel like it? That's the way we've been operating. Well, it's the way you've been operating. Is that a policy? Is that written? No, we've um, never made that, that explicit. Okay. Let me ask you. Should you both be allowed to do that? Is that good for the union? Is no. that good for the relationship? No. Nope. Lori, what about you? I don't think it's good for our relationship, no. You don't, another qualifier. You don't think it's good? When will you know? I guess right now. Okay. I don't think it's good. Um, she has a hard time making declarative statements, which must be hard for you, George, because you don't have anybody to push up against, right? 
If the two of you aren't taking a stand for what is best for the two of you, then you're going to get into fights. You're going to get into fights and you're going to act as if, and this isn't true, that you're not both generals. You're not both co-executives sharing power and authority. Nothing happens without both of your agreement and permission, but it's not being played that way. Am I wrong? In other words, Lori allows George to do something that is not only self-harming, but harming to the union, which is self-harming, and doesn't stand up to George and say, hey, you can't do that. Sorry, I can't, you can't. That's not good. So deal with me. So there's a structural thing here where the two of you don't seem to, you, you haven't seemed to build, to, to have built this thing based on your custom needs only, right? This, we're going to co-construct this thing called a relationship, which really doesn't exist except in our heads. We're going to co-create it anew based on our current desires, the culture that we want to co-create. And a lot of most people don't do this. And that's why relationships like these don't last or last, but aren't happy. Nobody stopped to organize it and build it. Yeah, go ahead. No, if we could fast forward, what would it look like if we did the work with you? What what would this, how would we both respond in this moment that would be aligned with these new values and principles that we're kind of working through? You would know your culture and you would know based on the two of you making it and molding it yourselves and holding each other to those ideas you would be far safer and more secure which would give more room for play for fun for enjoyment for freedom but you can't be free if you don't know what the limits of this culture is or what this culture is mm -hmm. right you're playing according to your own ideas but you've not combined them to see whether they are something that's good for both of you you didn't stop to do that and so you're going to get into trouble because you're flying a plane that's not fully built right so first that because that's going to settle the two of you down significantly makes the relationship easier because you know what we're to do and what we're not to do so say us both so we already know that the intimacy problem is deeper than they know that they can't be themselves in this relationship. They don't seem to understand why this relationship actually exists. What is our purpose? Are we in the foxhole together? Are we a survival couple that has each other's backs at all times? Do we share all information with each other because we're in charge of everyone and everything and we have to know the same things? Are we each other's confidants, which is free? You don't have to pay for it in therapy right? It's there. Yeah. Or are we operating in silos as one person's psychological systems, which we know will not work downstream? So a lot of so this- you're, you're really challenging them to have yeah. kind of a very open contract or agreements with each other so that they don't, there's no mystery in what's happening. They're, they're being direct with each other and that creates the security. Right, which frees up resources. It's a resource problem. If I'm feeling the least bit threatened by you, or I'm feeling too much interpersonal stress, not only am I going to get sick, because we know stress, chronic stress is going to lead to an early death, and to a multitude of uh, mental and physical illnesses, because it's, it's causing wear and tear, right, on the brain and the body. But also, 
why should it be so? Why can't you and I decide, make agreements? We're going to make sure, I'm going to make sure, you're going to make sure that the other is absolutely safe and secure at all times because we can yeah. and because the world will never do that, right? So that's the first thing to make our relationship easier, to free up resources to do everything better, everything better. So it's a resource problem, and that's going to enter the bedroom as well. Mm -hmm. So again, a lot of it is a misunderstanding of why we exist. What's the point of us? It cannot be love or emotion because that comes and goes. It cannot be the kids because we're just tools. We don't exist as the people who started this thing, right? We're the creators. So it has to be imagined as having a solid image, purpose, vision, something greater than ourselves Otherwise, we'll do what every human being on the planet will do, and that is under stress, I'll do whatever makes me feel better at the cost of doing the right thing. Right. All of us will do it. All of us. Yeah. Without question. Not because we're bad, but because we're human. And I would imagine most of our listeners have never had anybody help them talk this way. They didn't grow up in families being this explicit, yeah. right? So they, they might be like, what the heck did I just listen to? Like, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do here. And, and that's that's the resources that you're trying to give, you know, all, you know, to your readers out there that say, hey, there's a system, there's a way of doing this. You can get some structure in place that will really help you get more on the same page to be in that foxhole together. Yes. In other contexts, we learn this in the military, um, in special forces, you cannot be in special forces unless you drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not important. The person to my right and my left are more important than me because they're going to save my life. That changes the game. That makes us interdependent. Our lives depend on each other. We have the same things to gain and the same things to lose. Therefore, I belong. That's very different than what couples do. Couples come to the table with a variety of expectations and entitlements that are found only in family. But couples are not a family. They're, they're co-equals, equal power and authority, terms and conditions. This is not about love. This is about, this is the greatest thing that we can possibly create. We're continually creating it, co-creating it, or I'm out. Or no deal, right? But the attachment system fouls things up. Because nature endowed us with a biological mandate. I can't quit you, right? And we think that's love. It isn't. It's a very primal, primitive existential threat to survival that keeps us glued in. That's a good thing, but it's a bad thing if it's not a place where we leverage to negotiate the very best deal, right? We're afraid if I ask for this or expect this, we'll be left. And so that's how I get unhappy. That's how I settle. That's how I get resentful, because I don't see myself as a general, and you as a general, I see myself now as demoted, and I play that game because I'm afraid that you won't be as afraid of losing me as I am of you, so I don't stand for principles that would benefit both of us. Mm. I really appreciate how you're presenting this, though. It, it, it's an invitation for people to become a little bit more present and to know themselves and their partner better. It's not an accusation if you're not doing this, right? It's not your fault you're not doing this, but that's what growth and development is about. It's about yeah. becoming more conscious. And that's really the invitation that you're you're presenting to all our listeners. And we really wanna thank you for that. And we talk a lot about protecting each other yes. in a partnership. So I appreciate that, that idea. I really liked your image of 
you know, to my right and to my left or my partner in front of me, that they're the person who's going to save my life. So we have yeah. to prioritize them and think about them. Thank you so much for being with us. If people want to contact, it's stan at thepactinstitute.com. Oh, yeah, we've got, we'll have all your contact stuff on our okay. website. Okay. Well. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. I appreciate so much Stan's work and, you know, it's different than what we do in EFT, right? I think that what you were trying to say as we ended, I'm not sure that was on the tape, but as we were talking with Stan, you know, I think in EFT, we really honor the defense. We Mm -hmm. honor the person's protection because we know it comes from an entrenched, automated part. And we believe, I think that with empathy and validation, a person will be able to let go of it sooner. And I think for him, my experience with him was sort of more of a confrontive way of being to try to kind of shake it loose from the person. And and my experience in EFT is that just doesn't work. You know, I I can't get that to work. Maybe he can, but I can't. I'm glad our listeners are here in different styles. And that's, that's all we're trying to do. To me, it's a style is an intervention. If you're going to confront somebody and hold up the mirror and they buy in and they're like, yeah, I can see that, then it works great. But if that confrontation doesn't work, you have to pivot. You have to be able to move with it and kind of go in a different direction, right? Which is so much of what we try to talk about in EFT, that flexibility to move. But there are a lot of different strokes with different folks out there. And we're just giving you a flavor of, so, so I'm sure we're going to get some writings of people saying, wow, I never thought of that before. I, I think that might work. And other people say, what the hell was that? <laughs> and it's, I, I think was... our pursuers are really going to like that. Like, hey, just nailed it. You know, <laughs> I think that one of the things I learned was this idea, right, of consciously and intentionally constructing mm-hmm. your implicit agreements. Like, is it okay for him to go away for three days and not talk to you? And do you confront him? And you know, we know, of course, as a withdrawer, probably not, but certainly that's where we're aiming is to help people negotiate better, mm-hmm. more explicitly and be more direct with each other about what they need and reach for each other. All of that. When he said, you get angry. I mean, do you tell her your hurt feelings? I'm like, no, you know, it's, <laughs> there's not much of a choice in those moments because it's so quick, those emotions, right? I don't think yeah. I'm trying to lie, but and to try to help people recognize I, that's not intimacy when I protect myself, just yeah. like you're not being intimate. And that's what people do, right? When we both protect ourselves, we're not being intimate. We're, we're not, not, we don't exactly. have each other's back. And that yeah. that is the facts. But how do we get couples in protective places to take the risks? There might be different ways of, of going about that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Keep it hot. Yeah. I would love to invite you. This is women only. But we are having a retreat in Asheville on November 10th through the 12th, and it's going to be a slumber party. And so we're going to like all stay together in the same cabin. It's a beautiful space, and we're going to have meals brought in and made, and and we know who the chef is, and so it's going to be wonderful. Maybe drink a little bit of wine if you'd like to. And we have kind of some talks and time to work together on your sexuality. So The whole goal of this women's sexuality retreat, the slumber party, is to basically enhance and develop yourself, your erotic self inside. So we're going to be talking about anatomy and physiology and sexual attachment. We're going to talk through blocks, you know, what stops us, what are the breaks 
against our sexual expression? And then what are our gas pedals? What are our turn-ons? How do we open up more sexually, like with enhanced sexual pleasure? We're going to talk about orgasms and role play and using toys and fantasies and some stuff. And each night we're going to have a pajama party where we just relax and sit around and talk on the deck and hang out together. And and then on Sunday morning, we're going to set our focus and have concrete steps toward sexual engagement with our partners. Sounds pretty awesome, Lori. And all the men, don't worry about it. Maybe we'll have like a Spartan camp out somewhere, have a couple (laughs) beers and, you know, we'll do our own version of that someday. (laughs) That would be great. So love to invite you. I will post it on foreplaysextherapy.com under the resources and there will be the retreat, the scheduling events, and you can link and figure out if you can make it with us on November 10th through the 12th in Asheville. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by Foreplay Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.